I'm Donald Wayne, and this is Trice Talk Minipod for Monday night, April the 19th, 2021. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Minipod. Um, if you have listened to at least one of the Minipod shows, you will realize that that's not the normal music that I play. I uh, was getting ready for the show tonight and plugging everything in and uh, discovered that the uh, Bluetooth device wasn't going to work for me, so I couldn't play my normal music off of Spotify that I normally uh, have. So um, that's why <laughs> that little ditty from Podbeam, uh, they're, they're kind of limited on what they offer you. I mean, some of it's not bad, but anyway, it's not the song that I normally like to play for the intro to the mini pod segments. But it's a good thing that happened because now I can uh, actually go out tomorrow and get another one before the show tomorrow night. Um, you know, the Tuesday night edition of Tristalk Live. So um, I, I guess all things happen for a reason. Anyway, tonight uh, I'm going to be de- going to be doing a uh, covering an article that I found on Huckabee again, uh, Huckabee's morning edition newsletter. Uh, for April the 19th and um, it's about cancel culture it's another one about cancel culture but this time it's really there's there's some commentary here from uh, Mike Huckabee and then uh, there's a link that I clicked to and it's uh, a little bit of commentary from this other uh, writer and then we get into a letter from a parent who took his child out of a private school in New York because of basically the wokeness, the cancel culture going on in that particular school. So um, I'm going to start out with Mike Huckabee's comments, then I'm going to uh, click on uh, the next author, and then we'll get into the letter. So Mike says, last week we talked about the backlash against cancel culture that's starting to happen around the country as millions of Americans have finally just had enough. Today, I have more good news on that front concerning the most dangerous manifestation of this poison in the schools. First, let's all bow in homage to parent of the year, Andrew Gutman, Mr. Goodman is the parent of a seventh grader who until very recently attended an elite private all-girls school on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. The tuition? Brace yourself. $54,000 a year. This school, Briarly, which I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly, is so woke that families who send their kids there have to take an anti-racism pledge. Now, can you imagine I'm writing a check for $54,000 and and then they want me to sign a pledge for anti-racism? If they want me to sign a pledge for anything, the only damn thing I'm signing for you people is this check. As long as you teach my child the things that she needs to be taught in school. But... I digress. All right. And he, he notes here that Barry, uh, 
I guess it's Wes or Barry Weiss on Substack has a great write-up on this story. So he's referring us to an article by Barry Weiss, which I'm going to that. And I will start out with Barry Weiss's comments. She goes on to say, you have to read this letter. A New York father pulls his daughter out of Briarly with a message to the whole school. Is the dam starting to break, she asked. I was planning to publish a roundup today of the many thoughtful responses to Paul Rossi's essay. I'm going to save that for Sunday because I was just sent this letter that has my jaw on the floor. It was written by a Briarly parent named Andrew Gutman. I know you don't know about Briarly. It's a private all-girls school on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. It costs $54,000 a year, and prospective families apparently have to take an anti-racism pledge to be considered for admission. In the course of my reporting for this piece, I spoke to uh, a few Briarly parents. Gutman chose to pull his daughter, who had been in the school since kindergarten, and sent this missive to all 600 or so families in the school earlier this week. All right, now she just does one of the uh, one of the paragraphs there briefly, uh, but then she goes ahead and says, "I'm going to post the entire letter." And then she has a few comments about she actually is going to invite this gentleman to be on. Um, I guess they have a um, subscriber-only conversation. It says that it's coming out next week. So anyway, I'm skipping down to the letter, but that was the introduction from uh, Barry Weiss or Wes. So April the 13th, 2021, dear fellow Briarly parents, our family recently made the decision not to re-enroll our daughter at Briarly for the 2021-2022 school year. She has been at Briarly for seven years, beginning in kindergarten. In short, we want we no longer believe that Briarly's administration and board of trustees have any of our children's best interest at heart. Moreover, we no longer have confidence that our daughter will receive the quality of education necessary to further her development into a critically thinking, responsible, enlightened, and civic-minded adult. I write to you as a fellow parent to share our reasons for leaving Briarly, but also to urge you to act before the damage to the school, to its community, and to your own child's education is irreparable. It cannot be stated strongly enough that Briarly's obsession with race must stop. It should be abundantly clear to any thinking parent that Briarly has completely lost its way. The administration and the board of trustees has have displayed a cowardly and appalling lack of leadership by appeasing an anti-intellectual, ill-liberal mob and then allowing the school to be captured by that same mob. What follows are my own personal views on Briarly's anti-racism initiatives, but there are just a handful of the criticisms that I know other parents have expressed, or I'm sorry, but these are just 
These are just a few of the handful of criticisms that I know that other parents have expressed. I object to the view that I should be judged by the color of my skin. I cannot tolerate a school that not only judges my daughter by the color of her skin, but encourages and instructs her to prejudice others by theirs. By viewing every element of education, every aspect of history, and every facet of society through the lens of skin color and race, we are desecrating the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and utterly violating the movement for which such civil rights leaders believed, fought, and died. I object to the charge of systemic racism in this country and, and at our school. Systemic racism, properly understood, is segregated schools and separate lunch counters. It is the interning of Japanese and the exterminating of Jews. Systemic racism is unequivocally not a small number of isolated incidents over a period of decades. Ask any girl of any race if they have ever experienced insults from friends, have ever felt slighted by teachers, or have ever suffered the occasional injustices from a school at which they have spent up to 13 years of their life. And you are bound to hear grievances, some petty, some not. We have not had systemic racism against blacks in this country since the civil rights reforms of the 1960s, a period of more than 50 years. To state otherwise is a flat, flat outright misrepresentation of our country's history and adds no understanding to any of today's social, societal issues. If anything, long-standing and widespread policies such as affirmative action point in precisely the opposite direction. I object to the definition of systemic racism, apparently supported by Briarly, that any educational, professional, or societal outcome where blacks are underrepresented, upper-represented, is prima facie evidence of the aforementioned systemic racism or of white supremacy and oppression. Facile and unsupported beliefs such as these are the popular opposite to the intellectual and scientific truth for which Briarly claims to stand. Furthermore, I, can't, I call bullshit on Briarly's off-stated assertion that the school welcomes and encourages the truly difficult and uncomfortable conversations regarding race and the roots of racial discrepancies. I object to the idea that blacks are unable to succeed in this country without aid from government or from whites. Briarly, by adopting critical race theory, is advocating the abhorrent viewpoint that blacks should forever be regarded as helpless victims and are incapable of success regardless of their skills, talents, or hard work. What Briarly is teaching our children is precisely the true and correct definition of racism. I object to mandatory anti-racism training for parents, especially when presented by the rent-seeking charlatans of Pollyanna. These sessions in both their content and delivery are so sophomoric and so simplistic 
so unsophisticated and inane that I would be embarrassed if they were taught to Briarly's kindergartners. They are an insult to parents and unbecoming of any educational institution, let alone one of Briarly's caliber. I object to Briarly's vacuous, inappropriate, and fanatical use of words such as equity, diversity, and inclusiveness. If Briarly's administration was truly concerned about so-called equity, it would be discussing the cessation of admissions preferences for legacies, siblings, and those families with especially deep pockets. If the administration was genuinely serious about diversity, it would not insist on the indoctrination of its students and their families to a single mindset most reminiscent of the Chinese Cultural Revolution. Instead, the school would foster an environment of intellectual openness and freedom of thought. And if Briarly really cared about inclusiveness, the school would return to the concepts encapsulated in the motto, One Briarly instead of teaching the extraordinarily divisive idea that there are only and always two groups in this country, victims and oppressors. I object to Briarly's advocacy for groups and movements such as Black Lives Matter, a Marxist, anti-family, uh, heterophobic, anti-Asian and anti-Semitic organization that neither speaks for the majority of the black community in this country, nor in any way, shape, or form represents their best interest. I object to, as we have said and been told time and time again over the past year, that the school's first priority is the safety of our children. For goodness sake, Briarly is a school, not a hospital. The number one priority of a school has always been and always will be education. Briarly's misguided priorities exemplify both the safety and culture and cover your ass culture that together have provided so toxic, proved to be so toxic to our society and have so damaged the mental health and resiliency of two generations of children and counting. I object to the gutting of the history, civics, and classical literature curriculums. I object to the censorship of books that have been taught for generations because they contain dated language potentially offensive to the thin-skinned and hypersensitive, something that has already happened in my daughter's fourth grade class. I object to the lowering of standards for the admission of students, for the hiring of teachers. I object to the erosion of rigor in classwork and the escalation of grade inflation. Any parent with eyes open can foresee these inevitabilities should anti-racism initiatives be allowed to persist. We have today in our country from both political parties and, in all, and at all levels of government the most unwise and unvirtuous leaders in our nation's history. Schools like Briarly are supposed to be the training grounds for those leaders. Our nation will not survive a generation of leadership even more poorly educated than we have now. Nor will we survive a generation of students taught to hate its own country and despise its history. Lastly, I object 
with as strong a sentiment as possible that Briarly has begun to teach what to think instead of how to think. I object that the school is now fostering an environment where our daughters and our daughter's teachers are afraid to speak their minds in class for fear of consequences. I object that Briarly is trying to usurp the role of parents in teaching morality and bullying parents to adopt that false morality at home. I object that Briarly is fostering a divisive community where families of different races, which until recently were part of the same community, are now segregated into two. These are the reasons why we can no longer send our daughter to Briarly. Over the past several months, I have personally spoken to many Briarly parents, as well as parents of children at peer institutions. It is abundantly clear that the majority of parents believe that Briarly's anti-racism policies are misguided, divisive, counterproductive, and cancerous. Many believe, as I do, that these policies will ultimately destroy what, until recently, a wonderful educational institution. But as I am sure will come as no surprise to you, given the insidious cancel culture that has of late permeated our society, most parents are too fearful to speak up. But speak up you must. There is strength in numbers, and I assure you the numbers are there. Contact the administration and the board of trustees and demand an end to the destructive and anti-intellectual claptrap known as anti-racism. And if changes are not forthcoming, then demand new leadership. For the sake of our community, our city, our country, and most of all, our children, Silence is no longer an option. Respectfully, Andrew Gutman. So, I think he pretty much laid it out. As, um, I, you know, my kids went to public schools, uh, although, uh, when the youngest was, uh, getting ready to go to uh, public school when he was, you know, coming out of uh, pre-K. We made sure we, we moved to a, an, an area where uh, the schools were rated very high in our particular county. And um, so it was a factor in, in where we wanted to live because the school district was more important to us than pretty much everything else that, that we had to consider. In fact, uh, the area that we moved to uh, was not overly <laughs> developed at the time because it was considered uh, kind of far out. But we knew development was coming. Um, so, you know, the fact that uh, this this gentleman, this family paid $54,000 a year to send uh, their their daughter to a school that was in that kind of mindset is is I, I certainly understand where he is when he wrote that letter and I I could see myself writing the same letter 
even to a public school if I felt the need to pull my child out of a public school. And as we've talked about on on Trice Talk a number of times, and I've probably done uh, several mini pods on it as well, uh, this is not something that's an isolated case. Um, we, we're noticing many, many schools across the country have fallen into this mindset of uh, they are trying to become the teachers of our children, not of, of the things that we send them to school for, but they're trying to basically take the place of parents. And I understand there are, are many kids that go to school that do not have both a mother and father at home and sometimes neither one at home. And uh, the schools may at some point have felt pressure that they feel responsible to teach them some things, but um, it's not their role to teach them what they're trying to teach them now because they're going to teach it from one perspective only and, and that's the mindset of liberalism or even socialism, if you want to look at some of the curriculum that, uh, that we've looked at uh, in recent months. So I thought it was a great letter, and that's why I wanted to share that with you on this episode. I hope that you uh, got something out of it. And if you still have kids in school, regardless of the age, even if they're in high school, I would urge you to find out if you don't already know, what are they teaching them in school? Look at their textbooks. Um, I, I know we can't go to school and sit in on classes and so forth, but there are ways that we can find out uh, what what they're teaching in the schools. And then, you know, maybe just through conversations with your children, find out, you know, what's going on. Is there anything besides math they're trying to teach you? What's the mindset in the classroom? Because what they're trying to do is raise a generation that'll help them take over the country and run it the way they want it to be run. And it's not the way this country was designed to be run. It's not the way that Hundreds of thousands of people have given their lives all right, since I don't have my Bluetooth, I'm going to uh, have the closing music, but I um again, don't forget tonight, well, it's now Tuesday tonight at uh, eleven p m it's Trice Talk Live with myself, Dennis Lee, and, and Eric Kirk. And, of course, it's a political night. We have uh, politics on Tuesday night. Wednesday, we ease off of it a little bit when we have uh, what we call Wacky Wednesday. And then Thursday, we get back into politics to close out the week for Trice Talk anyway. So hopefully uh, you'll come back and join us for... Uh, one or more of those but thanks for spending the time and listening to this episode of Minipod and I will be back again on Friday and Saturday nights later in the week hope everybody has a great Tuesday and uh, just remember stay safe everybody <music>